This is Deep Dive. I'm Fei Fei. All eyes are on the Middle East this week, as Israel and Palestine have entered a new round of conflicts. Hamas group launched a surprise attack on Israel, killing hundreds of Israelis. The crisis continues to escalate. Israel is pounding Gaza with airstrikes and hundreds of Palestinian civilians have been killed. Israel has announced a total blockade of the Gaza Strip. And it has also called up... ...conducting a large-scale strike on Hamas targets in Gaza. Officials say Gaza faces an imminent humanitarian catastrophe. Hospitals are overwhelmed and Gaza's sole power station ran out of fuel amid tightening siege. The latest count of deaths stands at around 2,500 from both sides. It started last Saturday as the militant group Hamas launched a surprise attack on Israeli towns near the Gaza Strip. Israel retaliated with airstrikes and what they call a complete siege of Gaza. Why did Hamas attack Israel all of a sudden? When will this round of conflict end? And more importantly, will the two sides ever be able to find peace? For this, I spoke with my colleague Ding Hun, who has been closely following developments in the region. This episode is brought to you on Thursday, October the 12th. Why did this group called Hamas suddenly, suddenly attack Israel at this time? Yeah, so I guess we need to do a little explanation regarding who is Hamas and some basic information about, say, Palestine. Basically, the main conflict zone taking place this time around is the Gaza Strip. More specifically, the the bordering area between Gaza and southern Israel. Gaza is a Palestinian you know, territory on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. You know, when we talk about Palestine, there are actually two territories. One is Gaza and the other is the West Bank. And these two are separated from each other by Israeli territory. They are not connected. In comparison, Gaza is the smaller region, and more than 2 million people live in Gaza, and its border is under a tight control by both Israel and Egypt, which is why this territory is often called an open-air prison by Palestinians. And since 2007, Gaza has been governed by Hamas. And by the way, here I, I think we need to clarify that Hamas is the organization that is in control of Gaza, but in the West Bank it is Fatah, namely the the largest faction of the multi-party Palestine Liberation Organization that is exercising control over there in, in West Bank. Hamas won the 2006 Palestinian election by campaigning on using armed resistance against the Israeli occupation. However, Hamas's victory at the time led to an open conflict, even military conflict, between Hamas and Fatah. This conflict remains unresolved today, which is why we see a scenario in which Fatah is in control of the Palestinian National Authority in the West Bank, whereas Gaza is governed by Hamas. These two groups, I mean, Fatah and Hamas, cannot reach agreement on sharing their political power. 
and also they have different visions about Palestinians' future,、uh, because unlike Fatah, Hamas simply has been rejecting this idea regarding the two-state solution. It advocates the creation of, say, an Islamic state over the combined territory of Israel, the West Bank, and Gaza. And now the conflict surrounds Hamas and Israel. But now, apart from you know people living on that piece of land, we're also seeing people from other parts of the world are also very vocal about their position in this conflict. Some say Hamas are killing civilians, have done really inhuman crimes targeting Israelis, and others say you know it's actually Israel who pushed Hamas to launch this attack, and there are also rallies supporting Palestine in many. Many other countries. So I think another question would be: Why is the world sharing such big difference in this conflict as well? Yeah, those are really two drastically different,、uh, even conflicting views or perspectives. You know, on one hand, the attacks launched by Hamas this time around. Uh, indeed, appear to be、um, unprecedented. Some Israeli Officials claim that the attacks led to the most civilian deaths on a single day in Israel's entire history.、Uh, some people will say even the bloody, you know, Second Intifada in the early 2000s that we are talking about a, a major Palestinian uprising in Israel and some of the Israeli-occupied Palestinian territories. Even the that uprising in the early 2000s didn't see this kind of massive incursion into the territory of Israel. But on the other hand, Israel's、um, continued occupation is also true.、Uh, Israel's current government is really overwhelmingly dominated by people who oppose a peace agreement with the Palestinians. Now. According to Hamas itself, its attack this time was really provoked by the recent events surrounding the Temple Mount. This is a place in Jerusalem which is holy to both,、uh, you know, Jews and Muslims. And recently,、uh, Israeli settlers have been entering a mosque atop of that particular mount called Al Aqsa to do their own pray, which, from Muslims' perspective, Is really equal to blasphemy. So that's probably why, for example, Hamas has named its、um, its attack this time as "quote unquote" Operation Al Asaka Storm. But in the meantime, we have to say that common sense would tell us that this kind of、um, complex military operation had to be months in the making. So on the part of Hamas, apart from Say responding to those very recent happenings or occurrences, there is really something bigger behind. But how are they able to launch these surprise attack? The Israelis seems like not knowing anything about their getting attacked beforehand. Yeah, so this is a pretty important question for you know for many of the military observers to、um, to explore. Uh, Israel has been imposing a pretty strict control of border, a blockade against Gaza, but Hamas has, over the years, 
has managed to tunnel under the border wall to launch cross-border raids and fire rockets into the territory of Israel. Israel would、um, periodically, you know, hit Gaza with airstrikes targeting Hamas operatives, for example. But inevitably, those airstrikes by the Israeli side would hit civilians as well. That's for sure. So that was a, you know, before、uh, before the outbreak of this latest conflict, we are already talking about a pretty dangerous and precarious situation. But somehow those. Israeli politicians or Israeli leadership somehow saw it as essentially the best arrangement possible or available. They believed that they could reduce the rocket fire to a level that is acceptable by relying on Israel's own, you know, Iron Dome missile defense system. And Israeli troops basically believed that their border security measures. Would、um, be able to prevent major cross-border raids by Hamas. They they assumed very naturally that their the periodical show of force could deter Hamas from escalating too much. Those periodic strikes by the Israeli side have been termed in you know, a mowing the lawn or mowing the grass, meaning that the threat from Hamas cannot be eliminated. But it could be reduced to a certain level. But the latest events have basically shown to everybody of us that those assumptions by the Israeli side were simply not true. They were they were significantly mistaken because Hamas was not deterred at all. It managed to penetrate Israeli territory through land, sea, and air. So nowadays, I guess、um, a lot of questions. Have been caught into regarding Israelis' intelligence. For example, how come they failed to anticipate these attacks? Now, one possible explanation is that in recent months, probably much of Israel's focus has been in the West Bank, where battalions of young Palestinians have launched their own initiative against the Israeli occupation, and also the current, say, internal. Political problem inside Israel itself、uh, might have cast a negative impact on on the intelligence community's、uh, capability as well. And also, over the past decade, Hamas has largely attacked Israel through rocket forces. So it's possible that Israeli forces around Gaza were not really that prepared for a ground assault. So these are all factors, or at least explanations. So as you said, Hamas probably have planned for this attack for a really, really long time. They must have a goal in their mind for this attack. And what do you think their end game is? Yeah. So I think、um, the bigger picture is that Israel is currently involved in a U.S. brokered negotiation to normalize ties with Saudi Arabia, which of course is a major follow-up event to this Abraham Accords signed during the last days of the Donald Trump、uh, administration.、Uh, normalization is widely seen by Palestinians. As the Arab world giving up on the Palestinian community, so Hamas could well be, you know, trying to torpedo this 
possible Saudi-Israel deal, or even try to undo this Abraham Accords, as we can judge from some of the spokesperson statements、uh, from the Hamas and. I guess that's a message that Hamas wants to send to the Arab world. In the meantime, Palestinians' domestic politics or its internal politics is also defined, in a large part, by how its leadership could respond to Israel's continued occupation. The strategy of Hamas to, you know, outcompete its rival, including the Fatah that is in control of the West Bank. Is to try to present itself, present Hamas itself as the real force, as the authentic voice of resistance to occupation. So this is another angle to look at this issue. Hmm, and that's very interesting because, unsurprisingly, I think the United States also has a role in this conflict. So what is Biden's agenda before this attack happened? I think, to a large extent, this latest attack or conflict is really something that President Biden、uh, hates to see,、uh, because it really runs a risk of derailing his attempt to mediate a normalization deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia. We understand on security matters, you know, Washington. Not only Biden, but also Donald Trump's era as well. Washington has been, you know, seeking to reduce its engagement in the Middle East, so that it can probably put more resources into the Asia Pacific region as part of a game to contain China. So, to some degree, I guess Washington wants to see more peace and stability in the in the Middle East. Uh, on the other hand, Washington also wants to somehow maintain its geopolitical relevance in the Middle East as well. You know, rhetorically, some American officials、uh, they say they welcome this China-mediated Iran-Saudi rapprochement, but in reality, I think the real, actual sentiment on the part of Washington politicians and analysts is that there is a lot of anxiety. About China's、uh, increasing presence in the Middle East, so there is a sense of, you know, to rival with China in terms of geopolitical relevance and influence. So that's why Joe Biden is so eager to broker a deal between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And now, with this Gaza crisis、uh, breaking out and in full swing, Biden's attempt in this particular regard. Will definitely face more complexities in these particular conflict. How have the Israelis been fighting back against Hamas ground attacks this time? Well, Israel has first of all responded with airstrikes. That's their usual tactics. But in the meantime, and probably more importantly, Israel has also mobilized some three hundred. And sixty thousand reservists in preparation for a ground operation in Gaza. You know, for your information, Israeli troops have basically rarely set their footprint, you know, physically on the ground of Gaza since two thousand and five. They withdrew from that region、uh, on that year, and now they say they want to be back with a mission to to make sure that Hamas, in the end, won't have any. 
military capability to threaten or kill Israelis. So we will see what's going to happen. But the escalating situation is really concerning. That's for sure. Well, actually, you know, Palestine and Israel have been at odds for decades. There have been conflicts, and there have also been peace talks happening. And of course, the peace talks were sort of on and off a number of times. Even those who don't really keep up with the news have heard once or twice, at least, about Gaza or about this conflict between Israeli and Palestinians. Let's try to at least put the really long history and really complex cultural, religion, and historical backgrounds into simpler words. Here is what is the root of the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. You know, Fefe, when two sides, when the two parties of different kinds have been fighting against each other for decades, for generations. It's really, really extremely difficult to mend their rift, to to strive for a you know sentimental reconciliation. This is the reality in international politics. Now, in my analysis, the root of their conflicts is actually a combination of historical hatred against each other, rivalry for realistic resources. Um, uh, living spaces, and also geopolitics involving some external powers, notably the United States.、Uh, the former U.S. President Donald Trump, for instance,、um, has been a very, very irresponsible figure on this particular issue, simply because he wanted to, you know, cement his domestic political support from the evangelicals in America. And after Biden came into office. He has done very little in terms of correcting the wrongs committed by the Donald Trump administration. So, really, I think fundamentally, the only way out is really to to restore this two-state solution. This idea that a peace formula has to be based on a Palestinian state established in territories that Israel captured in in 1967. This idea is supported by many countries, including China. And before Donald Trump, every administration in the White House has been supporting this idea on, until Donald Trump. But really, I think the current problem is that it's very, very difficult to restore the peace talks between Israel and Palestine because the political situation, the political climate condition, is simply not there. And here. I think the internal politics of both Israel and Palestine are actually at play. Apart from this very far-right political trend that we have seen in Israel in recent years, with the coming back of、uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, we also need to keep in mind that、uh, in recent years Hamas has also been increasingly Gaining popularity and political support in Palestinian society, so it's really, really very challenging to get the two sides back to the negotiation table. Thank you, Ding Hang. Diplomatic talks underway involving various countries and leaders in an effort to establish common ground for peace in the Middle East. 
On Wednesday, the Iranian president and the Saudi crown prince discussed the conflict during their first phone talk after the two regional powers re-established diplomatic ties. A special envoy of the Chinese government talked with Palestinian foreign minister as well on that matter. The Palestinian president, also head of the Palestine Liberation Organization, is set to meet the U.S. Secretary of State on Friday. All sides hope to end the conflict as soon as possible. At the same time, airstrikes targeting Gaza from Israel are still underway, and rockets from Hamas continue to fall into Israeli territory. The UN has warned of a humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza among its more than 2 million residents, as an Israeli blockade is preventing food, fuel and water from crossing the border between Gaza and Israel. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform to search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Fei Fei, and my colleagues Li Rinqi, Zhang Zhang, and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Ding Heng. I'll see you in the next one.